one time, just to let you know. After that, your family, if you step foot on this property. Amen? Well, if you're a Christian, your family anyways, right? The body of Christ, the kingdom mindset. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And it said these words. The words in my Bible are in red. That means Jesus is doing the speaking here. And it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Today I want to talk about building our life on the rock. Building our life on the rock. Now, what does that even mean, right? I mean, we can throw out cliches, titles, the sermons, but what does that even mean? I want to share with you some keys that will help us to build our life on the rock and things that we need to avoid that will prevent us from accomplishing that. Now, I started this message off on purpose by reading the last part of Matthew 7, but I'm going to go back to the beginning of it and center this Pretty much this entire message is centered around Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and of course, venture out as the Holy Ghost leads. Amen? You know what that's called? That's called prophetic preaching. It means in the ins- stuff that aren't even in my notes. Amen? It's prophetic. It's inspiration at the moment. When the Holy Spirit brings that up, man, don't avoid those. Amen? But Matthew chapter 7 is packed with amazing points to meditate on. That will help us to grow spiritually. And it's filled with pretty stern warnings, too, as Christians. Now, how many of you know the will of God is for us as Christians to grow spiritually? Right? Just like in the natural. uh, Our physical bodies don't remain in the baby stage. Amen? I mean, if we aren't growing uh, physically, what do we do? We take our child or that loved one to the physician, to the doctor, right? And we say, Doc, there's a problem here. This person isn't growing. Well, same in the spiritual sense. If you're not growing spiritually as a Christian, there's something going on that we need to dig into. Amen? Now, Jesus said in verse 24 here, He said that whosoever hears, say hears, His sayings, His commands, His teachings from the Word of God, and does them, that person is wise. Think about that. He hears it and, and does it. But the, and that person is building their life on the rock. Jesus said, if you will hear and if you will do, you are building your life on a solid foundation. And when the rains, the floods, and the winds come into your life, you will not fall. You will not be moved. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He goes, none of these things move me. Now, how many of you know the Apostle Paul had some pretty rough things happening to him as he was out preaching the gospel? Amen? 
But he said, I'm determined that none of these things are going to move me off course from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, we see... Uh, again, over the last couple of weeks, I've been showing you from the Word of God that our actions do matter as Christians, right? Our actions do matter. You know, some say, well, you know, they're living like the devil and they say, well, God knows my heart. Well, yeah, he sure does and everyone else does too from the crappy fruit that's coming from your life, right? I mean, Right? You ever eat a bad piece of fruit and it's like, you know what the most, the, the most annoying thing for me is? Picking a watermelon, thinking this thing's going to be amazing. You look for the yellow on the bottom, man. It's got these little the lines in it. Man, this thing's ripe and ready to go. Then you get it home and you cut it open and it's junk. I can't stand that. I can't stand that. Amen? But I'll talk more about that in a moment. Not the watermelon. <laughs> but Jesus said... If you're hearing my words and doing them, you are wise. So therefore, listen to this. Wisdom always includes doing the word of God and not just knowing it. Satan and demons know the word of God. They're not doing it. Are you following me? So, you know, it's not enough just to believe. We got to do something. We got to have some fruit, which I'll talk about more, like I said. But in verse 26, Jesus contrasts the wise person with the foolish person. Now, the, the foolish person here is one that hears his words. He knows what Jesus is commanding. He knows it. But by their own free will, they make the decision not to do it. Not to put the word of God in action in their life. Now, the one thing, here we go. The one thing that the wise and the foolish both had in common. The common denominator between them both. Do you know what it is? They both heard the word. They both knew the word. The difference is that one was a doer of it and one did not. Our actions determine if you're wise or if you're foolish on this earth as a Christian. Amen? Now, I want you to notice, so both the wise and the foolish individuals, did you notice something else here? Maybe you never even noticed this before. But both the wise and the foolish both had rains, floods, and winds in their life. Are you following me? If you're breathing today, you will have trials, you will have hard situations that you're going to go through in life. Are you here as a Christian? All right? I want you to notice that it's, ra- it's, it's uh, rains, floods, and winds. It's plural. You know what that means? You're going to have more than one of those things come after you in life. But the difference between falling and and standing strong during the midst of those storms that come into your life is this, your willingness and your discipline, not just to just hear the word, but to be a doer of the the word, to act on the word. Here it is, in the midst of the rains, the floods, come on, and the winds. With everything, when everything in your emotions tells you to give up. You ever had that before? You're going through some hard times. And when everything in your flesh says, give up, throw in the towel, 
Go ahead, act on the fleshly desires. The Holy Spirit brings a verse to your remembrance to act on, and then you willingly do it. And now all of a sudden, strength comes back to you. Because Jesus said this, he said, if you will be a doer of the word, you will not fall when the storms come. Now, when a person is falsely attacking or smearing you, your flesh wants to rise up. But the Holy Spirit brings a verse to your remembrance. Bless those that curse you and do good to those. Amen? Bless your enemies. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you know what to do from the Word of God and you refuse to do it, if you choose to act in the flesh, you're foolish and you will fall spiritually. Because here's why. You ready? This is why you're going to fall if you're not a doer of the Word. Because your ungodly actions just gave place and permission to the enemy to come into your life and wreak havoc in your life. Think about that. You just open the doorway. That's why Jesus said, listen, if you're going to do the word, be a doer of the word, you will stand because you keep that door shut from the enemy. Amen? But your fleshly action was an invitation to the enemy to bring you into bondage in that situation. That is why you will fall. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. Say place. Don't give him any place. No real estate. Amen? The only way to stand in the midst of the storm is to be a doer of the word of God and to crucify those fleshly desires in the name of Jesus. Those fleshly desires, the, that temptation to let the flesh rise up. Anybody have any flesh in here today? Amen. Amen. But let's look at a couple of verses that talk about wisdom. If uh, Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to show you something here. All right, we're off to the races here. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's start at verse 1. I'm talking about building your life on the rock. Has anybody in here, you felt a little unstable in life? Something's going on? Well, maybe it's maybe this is the exact message you need to hear today. Amen? This is a solid word. Excuse the pun. No, I meant to use that pun. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators, say imitators, of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Here we go. Look at this. Now, remember, this is New Testament, and this is written to Christians. All right? This is not, this is not written to the world. Okay, the world has nothing of Christ. The world, if someone's unsaved, the Bible says they're a child of the devil, right? All right, this is your heavenly father talking to us as Christians. Verse 3, but fornication, sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage or any sexual activity outside of marriage, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. For this you know that no... Look at this. This is strong words here. That no fornicator... Fornicator. Someone who does it on a... I mean, this is habitual, but they're naming the name of Christ. No fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, these things, he's just given a partial list here. Say partial list. Look at this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Again, this is written to Christians. You following me here? Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness. In other words, you lived that life before coming to Christ. Don't bring it into the Christian walk. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So evidently, you've got to determine what's acceptable to the Lord or acceptable in His Word, right? In other words, there's some things in the Christian's life that are not acceptable to bring in. You're following me? All right. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Two more verses. See then that you walk circumspectly. We'll talk about that in a moment. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. There's that wisdom thing again. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Gee, Pastor James, you're reading a lot of the word. Well, I'm just trying to fill in the gap where you guys aren't doing it, right? Come on now. Come on now. That's a pastoral joke, right? Okay. Here we go. Verse 17, my last one. Therefore... Do not be unwise. There it is. There's wise and there's foolish. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So I want you to notice this passage uses the word walk a couple times. Say walk. All right. So that is referring to our actions as a Christian, right? That's an action word. Amen. Now, verse one tells us to be imitators of God in our actions. In other words, Be holy because He is holy. Amen? So we're to walk, it said, as children of light, not as the children of darkness. Now, here's what I want to zoom in on right now. Get ready for this. Take notes on this one. In verse 15, it tells us as Christians to walk circumspectly. Say that with me, circumspectly. I guarantee you most Christians read that and they just truck right on down the road without knowing what that means, right? Let pastor break it down for you right now. Circumspectly means this, to be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Let me read that again. My, my, my. Circumspectly means to be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Say consequences. To every action we do, there's a consequence, whether it's good or it's evil. Amen? And the Lord's saying, you better slow down here. You better slow down, and you need to ponder before you act this way what the possible consequences of your actions are. In other words, proceed cautiously, because the Word of God says what we sow, we're also going to reap in this life. Go with me to Proverbs sixteen sixteen. Amen? Can you feel the last few weeks 
Can, can you kind of just feel how the Holy Spirit's kind of tightening the belt on us a little bit? You know what I'm saying? This is good. Now, now keep in mind, a pastor preaches to himself as well. I need this message as much as any of you do. Are you hearing me? This is me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. As after I did a study and was studying for this, I got to tell you right now, there was a couple times where I woke up in the middle of the night and I was in, in, in the Holy Spirit was really pondering, uh, uh, allowing me to ponder on the reality of this. How many Christians are walking in deception, thinking that they can hold one hand with the devil and one hand with God and they're all right? You can't do it. You can't do it. It said, let no man, let no person deceive you who says these things are okay. Come on, somebody. I mean, I, I literally, I was in bed, my eyes looking at the ceiling, and I'm thinking, oh, oh, you'll see why. You'll see why I was up, because later in this message, you're going to see a verse that just rocked my world, and we all know it, but we'll get there. Amen? Proverbs sixteen sixteen. Here, listen to this. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, here we go. The Word of God clearly right here tells us that wisdom is more valuable than gold. But let me tell you something. If I were to go into any church and I had a chunk of gold like this and I put the Word of God on the ground next to each other, what do you think the majority of Christians would pick up? Gold. But yet the Word of God just told us that the Word of God is more valuable than gold or any earthly thing. Are you following me? See, that is a lack of wisdom. That is what we call spiritual blindness. Say blindness. That is what we call a perception problem. They're seeing things wrong. And not through the eyes of God. Counting the things of this world greater than the wisdom contained in the Word of God. Now, when I was writing this, get this. Here we go. You ready for this? The Lord, and we've all, many people have heard this before, but the Lord gave it to me, this illustration for this purpose. It's kind of like this. You can give a poor person a piece of fish, and it covers one meal for them, right? Or you can teach them how. To fish, And they can catch as many fish as they want. And this is what the Lord was saying, that many people would rather choose one earthly thing than learn the word and be a doer of the word and bring multitudes of blessings in. Are you following me? You can either give someone a fish or you can teach them to fish. The Lord here today is trying to teach us how to fish. Now, here's, a, here's an example here. So... King Solomon, Solomon, he didn't ask for riches. What did he ask for? Wisdom. He was the richest man in the world who ever lived. Yet he didn't ask for for riches. He asked for wisdom. He walked in the ways of the Lord and it brought favor into his life. Say favor. Favor is better than a thousand days of labor. Are you hearing me? Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, 5 through 9. Say wisdom. Say we need to get wisdom. My, my, my. The Lord's trying to tell us something today. 
See, we got our eyes. We're focusing on the wrong thing in life. We're focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on that, that rock of gold instead of getting into the Word of God here in our personal life. Right? I mean, I applaud everyone for coming to church today. But be honest with you, this is an hour message. This is a 45-minute to an hour message, right, from the Word. And it's good, right? Uh, it's good. Uh, let's just settle that fact, right? Okay, good, good. Uh, but look at all the other hours and days that we just let pass by filling it with a bunch of void, worldly junk. Think about it. Amen? Now, Proverbs 4, 5 through 9. Oh, this is getting good. Here we go. It says this, Get wisdom. An exclamation point. Get wisdom. You think the Holy Ghost is trying to get something across to us today? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth, the word of God. Do not forsake her, wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Oh, here we go. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. When you embrace her, she will place on her head an ornament of grace. Say grace. A crown of glory uh, she will deliver to you. So it says here that wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the key to victory on this earth in any situation that you encounter on this earth. It's the principal thing. It is the rock that Jesus is talking about to us as Christians. Say rock. Wisdom is a rock. Do not forsake wisdom. Do not forsake the Word of God. Do you know something? The Word of God says this. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it doesn't say money is. What is the love? The love. Your, all your affections, all of your affections go into that money. Go into this worldly stuff. Greed and lust will cause you to forfeit the blessings of God in your life. You hear me? Now, here's the deal. So you got millionaires. They're not Christians, right? You got millionaires. They have tons of money. They don't have the blessing of God on their life. They're miserable. Are you hearing me? That's why you got millionaires that are um, committing suicide every day. Have you ever seen, though, a Christian millionaire? The peace that's on them, the joy that's on their life, because they're sowing into the kingdom. They're letting it be used for the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Here's what the Lord told me. He said, seek the giver, not the need or desired thing. We're always trying to seek the need. No, 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 no. The need is going to get to you if you seek the giver. Right? If I have a gift in my hand, if I have a gift in my hand for you, are you going to try talking and and, and commanding that thing to come out of my hand? Or are you going to talk to me personally about it? You talk to God personally about your need. You stay close to Him. Be a doer of the Word. And it says you will never fall. You will never fall. Amen? So we desperately, as Christians, we need to renew our mind, our thought life with the Word of God so we can see clearly. Not as the world sees, but we need how God sees, how God thinks about things. I said it before, let me say it again. The Bible, the Word of God, this book, 
is a book full of God's thoughts. Say, this book is God's thoughts. So if you want to know God's thoughts, get this word in your heart. You get the word in your heart. Amen? I'm talking about building your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ in the written word of God. Amen? So wisdom is obedience to the word of God due to the fact that you value your relationship with your heavenly father. All right. Now go with me. Let's, let's take this a little bit deeper. Go with me. If you would to Matthew chapter seven, again, we're not done digging for gold here out at Matthew chapter seven. Oh yeah. I feel the anointing of the Holy ghost on this message today. Matthew 7, let's look at verses 1 through 5. Let's talk about something here that's pretty important. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is a pretty popular passage, isn't it? So have you ever heard someone say to you, don't judge me? You ever have that? Oh, come on. Someone, you had to. I mean, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, you probably had someone say it to you. Amen? Don't judge me. Well, typically, that is translated. Let me translate that for you. Ready? Don't expose my sin. Come on, somebody. Don't expose my sin. Here we go. In this passage, let's, let's just look at this correctly here. How many of you know the devil takes the Word of God out of context? Right? Did he not speak scripture to Jesus in the temptation? But Jesus gave him other scriptures that balanced it out. Are you following me? In this passage, Jesus is not saying to tolerate or not to expose evil or, or not to preach righteousness. He's not saying that. If that were the case, are you ready for this? I would be out of a job this morning. Nobody would be preaching the word of God then. Are you following me? If that is what Jesus meant, none of us would be able to preach the gospel. All right? So we know then that's not true. Right? Oh, we're getting a little quiet up in here. That main point that Jesus is trying to get across in judge not is found in verse 5. Look at verse 5 one more time. He says, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The main point that Jesus is trying to get across and judge not, he's saying this. He is addressing the hypocrites that are quick to point out the, the sins and the faults in others without dealing with your own heart first. That is what Jesus is saying right there. Are you following me? Wow. A hypocrite. So what's a hypocrite then? Here we go. A hypocrite is someone that says one thing but does another. It's defined as this. Someone who claims moral standards or beliefs without conforming to it themselves. Do you know what the root word of hypocrite is? One of the words associated to hypocrite is. You ready for this? 
an actor. I preached a message in the past called ambassador or actor. Are you an ambassador for Christ or are you a hypocrite or an actor? Are you following me? Again, Jesus is not saying we don't preach righteousness, we don't confront evil, but he's saying, listen, if you want to build your life on the rock, you better start with your own heart first. Amen? All right. So deal with your own heart. And we as Christians, by the way, we as Christians are making judgment calls all the time. Are you following me? We're making judgment calls all the time. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How are you supposed to know who to hang out with if you're not judging some actions here? Are you following me? Say, i got to judge some things. To make the determination whether to be connected to someone, you have to look at the fruit of an individual. Now, a backslidden, carnal Christian, they've taken that judge not way beyond what Jesus intended it to mean. Amen? We're still expected, the Word of God says, reprove, expose, and rebuke evil. Amen? Preach holiness. Holiness is a clean word. Amen? And we're still expected to preach holiness. Amen? Just make sure, just make sure you're applying it to your own life as well. Amen? I'm talking about us building our life on the rock today. Amen? Make sure, listen, here's, here it is. Make sure your life is being built on the rock from, of wisdom, self-evaluation, and discipline. Wisdom, self-evaluation, your own heart, and discipline. Now look at Proverbs 1.10. Proverbs 1.10 real quick here. Proverbs 1.10. I'll tell you what, Proverbs is amazing. I have what they call, have you ever heard of the talking Bible? It's a, it's a little, little machine like that, and it has, it's, it has the Bible on audio. So when I'm driving to the church here uh, from Oxford for the hour drive, I turn on the talking Bible. Do you want to know what book of the Bible I'm listening to 99% of the time? Proverbs. I want wisdom. Amen? Now look at Proverbs 1.10. It says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, do not consent. The only way to make that determination is to judge the actions of another person. Right? We can't be blinded to it. Now look at Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Listen, we're judging things all the time. We're judging things all the time. So Jesus obviously did not mean not to look at another person's life. Right? And make a determination on, hey, should I even connect with this individual or not? Amen? Uh, That's stupidity if you're not looking at it. That's foolish. Amen? And I'm talking about people in your inner circle. Yes, I know we live out in the world. We have to deal with, you know, a lot of jerks. I, I, I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm talking about people you allow into your inner circle. The, the people you allow to influence you. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? All right. So Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets, Jesus said. 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears uh, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Amen. Jesus, now, Jesus here is referring to false prophets, right? But how many of you know you can take this this truth, you can take this principle and apply it to any area of your life, amen? So we do have to make judgment calls based on the fruit or the actions of people. You could say it this way. We need to be fruit inspectors, right? We're being fruit inspectors. Oh, don't you judge me. Oh, I'm not. I'm being a fruit inspector. <laughs> right? I'm not judging you. But, I mean, I do see some fruit from the heart here. Right? So, Jesus said that we would know people by their fruit. That means your, their outward actions. Right? The words, even. People that call themselves Christians, but... They have no evidence or fruit of that. See, here's the deal. This is what it comes down to. People can try to fool you with their words, right? They can try to fool you with the words, but their actions don't lie, right? We, we, are, we are to judge the tree. We are to judge the authenticity, the quality of the tree by the fruit that it produces. Amen? The, you, the fruit don't lie. The fruit don't lie. But listen to this. You ready for this? Jesus said that you would be able to spot a false prophet by their fruit. Guess what happens? You ready for this? They might be able to lie a little bit with the words, but you ready for this? Eventually, the sheep costume falls off and the ravenous wolf that's in their heart comes forth. Someone can fool you some of the time, but eventually it's going to be revealed. Amen? Uh, you know, like, like at debates, election debates. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm not going to do that. They get into office. They do exactly what they said they weren't going to do. And I ain't talking about President Trump. Are you following me? Amen? Eventually, what is in that person's heart will be revealed outwardly by their fruit. And that is why a backslidden carnal Christian gets upset when their sin is confronted by another Christian. And they say, God knows my heart. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. Amen? So, go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm telling you right now, this message... I hope you all feel like you're in a safe church. You guys are in a safe... You're going you're gonna to hear the truth. Amen? Well, there's no sugarcoating here. I found out that sugarcoating the truth leads to truth decay. Sugarcoating the truth leads to truth decay. And it ain't going to happen at Living Waters Chapel. Amen? Amen? 
Someone comes, they're offended, they don't ever come again. Guess what? They're getting an earful while they're here. Welcome to Living Waters Chapel. Amen. And those watching and listening online around the world. Amen. First Peter chapter 4. I'm in it. For, we're going to have a move of God. Amen. And one of the things that we need to tighten the belt on is our holiness walk, people. Amen. Here we go. First Peter 4, 17 through 19. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us as Christians, what will it be? What will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one, look at this, is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls, their mind, will, and emotion, their affections to Him. In doing good. Say, doing good. Doing good. Our actions matter to God. As to a faithful creator. Quickly, look, I want to show you something else. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, hallelujah. Let's see, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 11, verses 31 through 32, I'm going to look at here. It said that judgment must begin in the house of God. In other words, among the people of God. Amen? Here we go. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, here it is, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Say chasten. You know what that means? Disciplined. Say disciplined. I know, I know, it's not a fun word, right? This is the same concept of us as parents disciplining. Okay, so your kid runs out in the road. You run out and get them. Are you a little angry? Are you going to maybe teach them a little bit of a lesson that they will never forget, that they won't run out in the road again? See, God says... God's discipline is for our profit. Are you following me? By the way, God doesn't use the devil's stuff. Are you following me? God and Satan are not partners in crime. There, right? But God does discipline. God does change. You know, have you ever done something wrong and, and you just, you feel it in your heart. You just feel horrible. You feel bad. You feel you feel like you grieved the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt that? To me, that's, that's chastening enough for me. God, I need your presence back in my life. I, I need to get rid of this heaviness I'm feeling. I need you back. Are you following me? So God chastens. He disciplines us for our good. He judges us so we wouldn't be judged like the world. Are you following me? See, here's the deal, what you got to understand. And we as Christians, we have, no judge, we have no part in judging the unbeliever. They are a sinner. They sin. They do what they are. They're, they follow their daddy, the devil. They're, they're sinning. Are you following me, somebody? Now, that doesn't mean we don't confront evil and, uh, and, and things in, a, in, in our country. and all. That's not saying that. But here's the deal. We are called 
to, if someone, here it is, this is what the difference is now. We're not called to judge the world. They know, you know, they're on their way to hell if they don't make Jesus Lord and Savior of their life, right? But the moment, are you ready for this? The moment someone calls themselves a Christian, the moment someone names the name of Christ, yeah, Christ is my Lord and Savior, the moment they do that, now we can call them out on it. Are you following me? The minute they name the name of Christ, they make themselves a Christian, now we call them out on it. Would a Christian really do this? Would it, well, you know what the Word says, right? Are you following me? Oh, I know. It's tight, but it's right. Amen? So the moment you, you name Christ, there better be some fruit to back it up. And, and many times a carnal Christian, a backslidden Christian, they're the worst at giving us Christians in the body of Christ a bad name. Right? Like, please, if you're backslidden Christian right now, just shut your mouth. If you're acting like the devil, just shut your mouth about Jesus, please. Because, right? Because now the, you, you know, you're living like the devil and you name Christ. And now they think, now, now the, uh, the unsaved connects. Well, it must be okay because they're a Christian. Are you following me? It must be okay now. Well, that person says they're a Christian, but they're okay with uh, whatever. You know, right? It's like, just shut your mouth. You're making the job harder for all of us here. Right? Let's just tell it like it is. Go to, go to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. I'm almost done here. Please. Please, I'm begging you. Oh, my. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And you know what? If there's an area of your life, if, there, if there's an area of my life that's not submitted to Christ, it's no secret from us. We know what areas we need to fix. Come on, right? We know it. We just need to make the change. Say, i got to make that change. Amen. All right. Now, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Here we go. Let's dig into this. I'm going to show you why I stayed awake at night as, we, as I'm finishing this message. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. This passage is talking about not only making Jesus Lord of your life, but the gate is ta- I, it's talking about holiness. It's talking about living for the Lord here. Amen? It's a very narrow gate that leads to life, but wide is the gate that leads to destruction. It's very easy. It's very easy to let the flesh dominate your life. Have you found that out yet? You don't even have to do anything. By default, the flesh wins. You actually got to do something and you have some discipline to stop the flesh from moving forward and let your spirit man take over. Are you following me? It's easy for the flesh to dominate your life and, and go with the flow of this evil world system, to go with the what I call the current of the world. But it's very difficult to go against the current of, of the world. It's very, you ever try, you ever, you know, in Lake Michigan or the ocean, and you tried swimming against a current? It's exhausting. You make no headway. You're tired. 
In fact, you're probably going backwards with the current, right? But it's difficult. It's difficult to go against the current. It's difficult to lose friends. It's difficult to have family members that hate you because of your faith in Christ. It's difficult. Say it's difficult. But it's time for us to evaluate our own life and to answer these questions if we are going to build our life on the solid foundation of the Word of God. Now, so the next passage I want to read to you here. Um, This is one of the most fearful. This is the one of the most fearful and sobering in the Word of God. It should all stop us in our tracks right now. Look at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. This is the one that's messed with me. This is the one that's messed with me. This is the one where I'm, I've got my eyes open in bed, and I'm like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing an evaluation on every part of my life. This is the one. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does He who does, he who does, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want you to notice that Jesus says, he who does the will of my Father. Not he who says the will of my Father. He who does, puts action behind it. He who has fruit of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't find anywhere in the Word of God that isn't somehow connected to works or actions. Even faith is connected to it because it says faith without works is dead. Amen. Jesus said this. This is what gets me right here. Many will say to me in that day, say many. He didn't say a few. I'd feel a little bit better there. I'd feel a little bit better there if it said there will be some or a few. Man, I'd sleep a lot better. Are you following me? This scares hell right out of me. Many, not a few, many will make excuses, but will not make it into heaven. Here's here's, here's what's really mind-blowing. They thought they would, but they won't. They thought they would, but they won't. Say many. Here's what blows my mind too. They did the works of the ministry, but their personal life apart from ministry was out of order, out of the will of God. Here's what what I want to say right now. The works of the ministry will never get you saved, but a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will. Signs even of a powerful ministry is not a sign of an approval from Almighty God. See, who you are off of this stage is more important than who you are under the anointing ministering to people. Wow. 
When a Christian is ministering to others, you ready for this? The anointing comes upon them for the benefit of the one they're ministering to, not as a sign of approval for the minister. God loves people and God will flow through you. Are you hearing me? God will use a donkey if he wants to get his point across. God loves people. He will use anyone to minister because he loves people. The anointing on you and flowing through you is for them. Again, it's not an approval for the minister in their personal life. Many men and women of God have been used mightily by God with a powerful anointing. But the background, their personal life, they're sleeping around. In their life, they're, they're, you, you, you can't even see that they're a Christian. I, there's, <laughs> there's been some revivals or outpourings that have happened in, in some of the people who were heading that up. This thing was aired on TV around the world for months. Wow, what a powerful man of God. What, right? What a powerful man of God. He's sleeping around with women behind the scenes backstage. But every night on TV, man, there's miracles, signs, and wonders happening. Why? Because God loves people. It was not (laughs) in a sign of approval for that minister's life personally. Jesus said this, that many will give ministry fruit as reasons to be saved. Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? I cast out devils even. God, I did all this works. What do you mean I'm not getting in? But the clincher is this, how Jesus responds to them. Listen up, everyone. Listen to me. He said this, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, underline it, practice lawlessness. Practice. Say practice. It's not a one time you mess up, make a mistake. That's not what God's talking about here. This is someone who practices being a sinner. That's why I said fornicators. Someone who keeps doing it habitually without any conscience without any regard for how God feels about it, that you, you just you're, you make a practice out of it. it that's, that's what J- this is talking about. This isn't talking about if you mess up. Hello, somebody. But do you know, I've, I've talked to some ministers before, and he was telling me about a situation in his life that happened. And he said, Pastor James, I, I walked away from God in my life, and I didn't even realize it. You know how sneaky this thing can be when you think you're doing good, when man, when you, but you can, in in your heart, you can detach and walk away from God and you don't even realize it. That's why I'm calling us all today. We need to take uh, an evaluation on our own life. Amen. Jesus said, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is defined as this, a state of disorder due to a disregard of the law. Or you could say a disregard of the commands of God. Jesus points out that their personal 
private life was out of order. They failed to live a holy life outside of the spotlight. Christianity is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not a shallow working relationship with God. Jesus said they practiced lawlessness. Again, they habitually did it in their life, and it seared their conscience, and they used signs of the ministry, a growing church, uh, miracle signs and wonders of God's approval on their life. They took their last breath, and they had a rude awakening. Here's my point. Your personal life, my personal life matters to God. Amen? The fruit of your personal life has eternal consequences in this life. If you want to be wise, if you want to hear the Word of God and be a doer of it, if you want to be wise, you need to hear the Word, but don't just stop there. Be a doer of it. Amen? Church, it's time that we build our life on the rock of God's Word so we can truly stand when the rains, when the floods, and the winds beat against us. Amen? And it is Jesus' promise. If we do that, we will stand and we will not fall. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the presence of God right now. Now, maybe there's someone in here. Man, this was just like a slap in the face today. If you, number one, have never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, or if you want to rededicate your life, maybe, maybe you're one where you... <laughs> You know, you've taken different things that's happened in your life. Well, I'm blessed. I got a, I got a nice house. I got a full bank account. God must approve of me. Baloney. How is your personal life with God? Amen. That's what it comes down to. Is your heart connected to him or isn't it? That's what it comes down to. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life or you need to rededicate to the Lord, you're one where you're like, yeah, I feel like my life is out of order. After service, come up and I want to pray with you. Let's just settle it today. I really feel the Holy Spirit is putting smelling salts under our noses today, spiritual noses. Amen. There is a move of God coming. There is an out, outpouring coming. There is a revival that's going to rock this church, that's going to rock this region like never before. And these are the kind of messages that need to be heard. These are the kind of messages that need to be acted upon. Maybe, you know, you're a Christian, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come forward. We'll talk about it and pray and get you on the move with that. Maybe you need a physical healing, emotional healing, anything else. You want to pray for a family member, I am here and available for you. But wow, what a sobering word. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon each and every one of us. Not only in this place, but those listening and watching around the world. That Lord God, forgive us for taking uh, earthly things. Forgive us for taking uh, blessings in ministry. Forgive us for taking and making those things as signs of approval. We know they're not. Father, forgive us. Lord, let a spirit of repentance come upon us today. That, Lord God, that you can do a work in us, Lord God, that we can clean up our lives so, Lord God, we can be used in this awakening, outpouring, revival like never before. Lord, we do not want that rude awakening that day that we take our last breath to see you. Lord God, we want to be we want a clean heart. We want a clean heart. And we thank you for what you're doing, Lord God.
Be with every person and camp them in their vehicles with your holy angels. Give them a great week. And Lord, let this word rest in their heart, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. What happened? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, right now, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we lift up Jeannie right now. Lord, we, this anointing in this house, we, we put our faith together right now, and we send this anointing into the room for Jeannie Putman. Right now, in Jesus' name, we command every infirmity. We command anything wrong with her body to be healed right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke that spirit of infirmity. We command the heart, we command the cardiovascular system to function properly right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bind every demonic spirit coming against any part of her body, any part of her emotions right now. Devil, you lose her right now and let her go. And Lord, we believe right now that you're doing a miracle, a healing in her body right now. That, Lord, the doctors and nurses and everyone will be amazed because it's you. I'm believing right now a turnaround at 11.49 a.m. Right now, there is a turnaround in her body. We thank you, Lord, for our genie's healing in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, wow. Well, make sure you keep her in prayer. Amen. I hope you guys uh, had a great time today and I give you something to really meditate on. Amen. Don't forget to sign up for the picnic. The picnic is in two weeks. Prayer call Tuesday, 7 p.m. Prayer night here at the church Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. And by the way, we're going to be starting for two months some advertisements on Smile FM radio. So uh, we're, we're going to venture out. Amen. All right. Have a great week, everyone. If you need me, you know where to find me. God bless you all. Love you all.